So just before we finish up today's show, I want to let you know about my next group program, my health kickstart and detox. The best way to start diving into your health, if this is what you're doing and my podcast is motivating you to get started, is to start looking at nutrition, the right way to eat for your body and understanding that, as well as digestion, because you are what you absorb and not just what you eat. And so I teach how to ensure your digestive system is even turned on so that you can benefit from the food that you're putting into your body, as well as sugar. Where is it sneaking into your diet, even when you're trying to be careful? Unfortunately, it's in everything these days, and so it does tend to sneak in. So I combine all of this learning in a group program for support for you, along with setting you up for success on your detox program providing recipes and meal plans, etc., so that you can truly enjoy the benefits of getting those toxins out. I've never had someone get to the end of my program and go, gee, I wish I didn't do that. Instead, I get to hear all of their amazing success stories like, wow, my, I have such mental clarity now. My aches and pains are gone. I'm sleeping better. My bloating and gas and indigestion is gone. So I love hearing that. It motivates me to keep sharing with others because I truly do believe when we get the toxins out, when we create a body that is inhospitable to disease and we make it a lifestyle, that we can get rid of the chronic illness that we have in our world today. So click the show notes to learn more about the program. The link is there. And if you have any questions, book a call with me so we can chat and figure out, is this the right program for you? I look forward to hearing from you. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and very, very excited to bring you another wonderful guest today, Rick Olderman. Welcome, Rick. Oh, thank you, Melissa. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So let me just introduce Rick to you. Rick is a sports and orthopedic physical therapist with more than 25 years experience that specializes in helping people with chronic pain experience a pain-free life. How many people listening right now have chronic pain or know someone who does? Share this episode because I guarantee you it is going to be a powerful episode. Rick and I are completely on the same page. We were just laughing right before we started recording that, you know, we're both looking for the root cause and not just masking symptoms, but also we're both kind of like detectives trying to figure it out along the way. 
So Rick, I know you have a book coming out next year. Just give that little backstory you just shared with me because it was kind of fun. Oh, sure. Well, I, I've, I've written six books, but that was about 10 or 12 years ago that I've written those. And they kind of describe my whole approach. It's called the Fixing You series. And you can find them on Amazon. But anyway, uh, in those books, I have these little patient stories that kind of, kind of exemplify the concept of trying to teach people in, in my books. And I got so many comments over the years that, oh, I really identified with Jane or Deb or, you know, whoever, uh, you know, I'd love to hear more about them. So I thought, well, what if I just wrote a book of patient stories <laughs> and kind of flipped it over on its head to and talk about the patients and their recovery and the concepts I used? But I won't go so deeply into the concepts and the anatomy and all that kind of stuff. So that's what this next book is going to be about. And the part that I was referring to was you always wanted to be Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. So that's what we were having a laugh about because you were talking about how you love to be a detective. And uh, I love being a detective. And thankfully, uh, you know, I've had you know lots of years of practice at it. But when you understand the body as a system, which is probably what we're going to be getting into a little bit here, being a detective helps you. It, it helps you look in those unlooked in parts before. And that's the thing about Sherlock Holmes. I mentioned that uh, I have a little excerpt from a Sherlock Holmes book about how I've always wanted to be a detective. And one of the things about Sherlock Holmes is he's always looking at things that no everyone else is ignoring. And that's exactly what I do when I'm trying to understand why people are having chronic pain and how to link their pain with how they're using their bodies. I love it. And I love that you're doing this work um, because also I know there's so many people out there that are in pain, whether they consider it chronic pain or not. But the message I love to share with people is that we don't have to feel worse as we get older. You know, that is kind of a societal thing that, you know, you're going to have less energy, you're going to have joint pain, you're going to feel worse because you're getting older. But let's throw that out the window. That is all BS. It does not have to be that way. And there are people who can absolutely help you get rid of that pain. And Rick here is absolutely, absolutely a master at it. But Rick, what got you into this line of work first? Yeah, so uh, well, I'll talk about that in just a second. So what you say is that we don't have to have pain as we grow older. You know, there's this overused statement that says uh, ins insanity means that you're expecting a different outcome when you do the same thing over and over again. Well, that's often where chronic pain is coming from. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, how can you expect change to happen in your pain? And so uh, you've got to look in new places. And that's what I think I've found uh, to help people uh, get out of that loop of insanity and start getting healing. Because really, once your body operates well, you'd be surprised at that you can grow older without pain. So how I got into this was uh, originally I had back pain when I was young, uh, in my 20s, and uh, I went to a PT. They did some magic to my back. It felt great. Two weeks later, it hurt again. And I thought, it's, I'm, my thinking was, what am I doing that's hurting my back? And so I decided to go to physical therapy school to find out the insider secrets. And it turns out there are no insider secrets, <laughs> at least that are being taught in PT school. So I've, I was that guy up front who was always had his hand up anytime a back pain demonstration was happening. I wanted to solve my back pain, but nothing ever really helped. So in PT school and in medicine in general, we're more concerned with identifying the structures that are painful, 
not so much why those structures are painful. And that why is the key to solving chronic pain. And this bore out when I was uh, had my first job after PT school in a sports and orthopedic clinic. Yeah, I, I could help people with, who had you know post-surgery and strains and sprains and things like that. But anything remotely difficult like back pain, sciatic pain, side joint pain, neck pain, headaches, things like that, I had no success. I was a complete failure. And I was sunk into a deep depression because of that. So I, I either could quit PT because I didn't want to be one of those mediocre PTs, you know, that just hurt some people, help some other people and are neutral for the others. Right. Right. Or I could try and figure this out. But it took a lot of ego to say, oh, I think I can figure this out. Kind of when there are people far smarter than me who've been PTs who haven't yet put this together. But I, I just had to try. And so the culmination of my last 25 years is trying to find those answers and putting all this together into a simple, succinct system. It shouldn't be complicated and it isn't. So that's how I got into all of this. I love it. And I love that, it, you know, it's your journey because you were asking why. And mm -hmm. that's actually very similar to my own journey as well. When, you know, going back, there's, you know, obviously different facets to all of our stories, but when I was struggling with migraines and they suddenly got worse and my doctor just wanted to give me a stronger prescription and something inside me was saying, no, I want to know why they're worse. Cause if I know why they're worse, then I can do something about it. Right. Yes. And then that drove me to find a naturopath who then offered me a hormone test. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want something to test. Right. And figured out my progesterone was low. Fix that. Migraine's gone. Beautiful. Right? Or I would have had a lifetime of stronger medication, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? So that why, we were probably those kids when we were younger. Why? But why, mommy? But why? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> that it yeah. serves a purpose. So yes. it's yeah. awesome. And anytime I, anytime I failed as a PT throughout these years, and it's been many times, because we don't learn if we're not failing, right? right. Mm -hmm. but, but it's really what we do with that failure that defines us. And so... All those failures were meant that I wasn't finding, I hadn't found the answers yet. Right. And so that was the driver for me to keep looking. Yes. It wasn't until I stopped getting failures that I realized, I think I found the, out yeah. what all of this is about. Right. So those failures are blessings. Yes, exactly. They're teaching you every single time. And yes. you just have to keep, keep at it, right? Yes. The moment we quit, that's the failure, right? Yes. So, yes. and... I mean, I love to, when I was reading your ebook, which I know is something that you've offered to the audience and we'll come and talk to later, but just reading that and understanding the connect, the connectedness of the body, which obviously I know about as a health practitioner, but also you might have back pain, but you're not necessarily looking at the back to solve the back pain because the back pain can be triggered by another part of the body. So we all know that song, you know, the shoulder bones connected to the elbow bone, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not that easy, right? Where we feel the pain is not the source of the pain in many cases. You're absolutely correct. In fact, where the source of the pain is just the weak link in your system. And the, the back is often the weak link because it's, it's the juncture of two different curves happening in your body. So there's a, a curve differential, as well as the pelvis is the center of movement for, our, for our, our body. And so you've got this big power generator, our pelvic bones and so forth. And then you've got this curve transition and the body doesn't do well with those two things. So, yeah, 
You're right on. And so as we're talking about back pain, can you describe your most common approach to solving it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take your listeners through uh, two tests that I do. They're really mm-hmm. easy tests to understand why you're having back pain. So we're going to figure this out right now. So I'm going to ask everyone who's watching or listening to lie down on their backs with their legs straight. You don't have to see the screen in order to do this test. So don't worry about seeing what I'm doing. Just lie down in your back. It can be on the floor, on the bed, on the couch. It doesn't matter. But what I found, Melissa, is if you don't do the test to understand it, you're only going to hear my words and think, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But once you feel the truth in your own body, that's when you're going to know that you're on the right track. So here's so where you're going to feel driving. Do this now, because the other right. thing we all do is, oh, I'll get back to that later. I'll go yes. back and listen. And then we never do. Right. Exactly. So so let's assume everyone's lying on their backs with their legs straight on some surface. OK, so I want you to feel your back and uh, get a sense for how much pain it's in right now. And now what we're going to do, you've been there for maybe 20, 30 seconds. I want you to bow, bend your knees so that your feet are flat on the floor. And if you prefer, you can hug your knees to your chest. It's whatever you're most comfortable with. So what all we're doing is really simple. You're just comparing which position does my back feel best in when my legs are straight out or when my knees are bent in some way, either to my chest or feet flat on the floor. That's all we are figuring out right now. 99% of your listeners and watchers will say, hey, my back feels a lot better when my knees are bent. Okay. So what is this telling us? It's simply telling us this, when your legs are straight and you can test this out if you want, you'll notice that your back seems to want to arch off the floor more than when the knees are bent. When the knees are bent, the back is flatter. So we're finding out just a small fundamental issue with your back that it has more pain when it's either arched or trying to move into an arch. And you have less pain when your back is flat or we remove those forces trying to pull it into an arch. That's it. Real simple, not brainy stuff. So then really where the rubber hits the road is, well, how do I use this information? Okay, so now we're going to have everyone stand up. And I I really mean it, stand up right now. And so we're all going to stand. And again, you don't have to look at me in the screen. You can uh, look away if you want. And what I want you to notice is, and you might notice this about yourself, Melissa, when you're, because you're standing right now, aren't you? I'm standing right now, yeah. Okay, so when you're standing, do you tend to lock your knees? Uh, Are they straight? I discovered that I definitely used to tend to lock my knees and I've been practicing getting out of that. But because I did this test myself, like I lay down on the floor last week and did this Uh and I'm definitely one that likes my knees bent for sure. And I was standing on Tuesday at a golfing event and I just did a little quick body check and went, oh, my knees are locked. Unlock them. <laughs> yes. So it's just a good yes. reminder for me to keep doing yes. that. And I am at a standing desk. And so reminding myself through the day to do that as well is very right. helpful. So even with an uber uh, in touch and intelligent person like yourself, unconsciously, your habit is to lock your knees. Yes. Even no matter how much you knew about the body prior to this, you were locking your knees. That was an unconscious pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I want everyone to notice whether that is your pattern, too. Now, what we're going to do is real simple. We're going to ask you to unlock the knees now, make them a little softer and feel what just happened to your back. 
and get a sense of what just happened there. Now, if you're not sure, go ahead and lock the knees one more time, and then you're for sure going to feel it. And what you're going to feel is that your back arches more when your knees are locked, right? Okay, so if we put these two tests together, the first test says, hey, my back feels better when it's not arched. And now the second test is saying, hey, my habit is to lock my knees, which then arches my back. Ding, ding, ding. We've got one answer to your back pain already. And I can tell you an amazing back pain story if you want about a patient with this. But anyway, unlocking your knees, that alone can solve a lot of people's back pain or significantly diminish it. So what you want to do for the next three days is you're going to put your watch, if you wear one, on your opposite wrist. You're going to put a bracelet on your opposite wrist. You're going to wear a ring on the wrong finger. You're going to wear a strange necklace. Put a little sticky dot on your dashboard or your car. Whatever reminds you frequently to check in on your knees because your brain was unused to checking on your knees before because it wasn't clued into the importance of this. That is an unconscious habit that you have created that you weren't aware was hurting you. There are others. And so to break that habit, you have to bring it to consciousness first, change it. And then as you do that more often, that will become an unconscious habit eventually. So there's one little easy thing that all everyone watching this can do now to start solving their back pain. So is everyone doing it now? Have you got it? Do you know whether you're inclined to lock your knees or not? Probably are. And so now all of those little things, I'm going to change my little wrist bracelet to my other hand. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> remind me to check in more frequently because right, yes, right. I definitely was locking my knees and I think I kind of started learning not to through yoga classes, et cetera, where they were always in the different poses. They would always be saying, don't lock your knees, don't lock your knees, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so that started a while ago, but I didn't understand why. So I really appreciate your explanation of the why. And that's also what's really important is I find people are much more likely to do things when they understand why, as opposed to being just told to do it. Yes. And this brings up an important point. When, when I work with people in the clinic, you know, we do a test free test. I don't just tell everyone who walks in, hey, start unlocking your knees. I first have to figure out whether they have this type of problem. And then I look at how they're walking and standing. If they're already walking and standing with their knees soft, they're not going to hear me go into this big right. you know, to do about it. Right. So that's why you test retest is the key to solving problems. And so this is one of two major problems. This usually relates to more central back pain, pain that's in the center of your back. There's a different pattern that relates to unilateral back pain or sciatica or SI joint pain, which we can go over if you want to go down that road too. It's up to you. Well, I have a question because I often have, sure. I used to much more so than now, but lower back pain, lower right backside mm -hmm. um, okay. is something that I've, that I've struggled with. Through the years, um, it started back when my daughter decided to be born in 12 minutes. And um, I was a year in physio because she just kind of pushed me all out of alignment in her rush to get into the world. So it's now 20 years ago. And uh, through core strength and workouts, et cetera, et cetera, yoga, I have come to manage that. Um, but yeah, if you have any tips for that particular region of the back, I'd love to hear it. Cause I'm sure I'm not the only one that has lower right back pain. Okay. So we're going to talk about pregnancy and back pain for just a sec. And then we're going to yeah. go into the other pattern. All right. 
So uh, in my back pain during pregnancy book, uh, I show that, and women are, who have had children are especially um, vulnerable to experiencing back pain and or sciatic pain. And here's the reason. We've just found that the back hurts more when the back is more arched and our knees lock, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of that often is set up during pregnancy because as the baby grows, it gets heavier and we lock our knees because of the extra, the rapid increase in load. So the knees locking makes it so that we don't have to use our leg muscles because they're going to get really tired if we keep those knees soft and we lift this extra 15 pounds, right? right. And lug it around. Plus, if you can imagine just the image of a pregnant woman, their belly is way out in front. So that's pulling them forward into more of a back arch. Right. So now you've got two things contributing to that back arch. Well, what I showed in that book is six months after this woman gave birth, her back did not go back to the original shape it was. It mm -hmm. continued to be arched. And, and what it also did is it set up those habits for her to start locking her knees. And with the locking knees, and the back arching more, what's happening with the pelvis is that it's tilting forward, what we call in physical therapy an anterior pelvic tilt. That's mm -hmm. not important. But you can imagine that if your pelvis is tilting forward, your back is going to arch more. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the pelvis is tilting forward, the thigh muscles in front of the in, in front of, that attach into the pelvis in the front then become tighter. Okay. So this is one of the things likely, Melissa, that is contributing to your continued right versus left low back pain. Right. Is I bet your right thigh muscles are tighter than your left thigh muscles. Okay. And and what that's doing is pulling the left, left right side of your pelvis forward more, right. creating more of an extension uh, effect on the right side of your back versus the left. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing we can it would be easy to test that. But right. let's assume that's not the case. Right. So what we're going to do is go into the second pattern that creates unilateral back pain and sciatic pain. So I'm going to get out my little skeleton helper. Okay. Sure. All right. So here's my little skeleton helper. And uh, we're looking at it from the back. So one of the second pattern that occurs with that causes most pain unilaterally is that one side of the pelvis gets higher and the same side of the rib cage usually becomes lower. Ah. So I call this a side bending problem. And you can probably see why. All right. Yeah. So when we have a problem like this, we, it increases compression on these tissues on this side of the spine where it's all piked together. Right. Fixing that is really easy. I can fix it in 10 seconds. Not a problem. But really what we have to understand is why is that pattern happening in the first place? And so often, most of the time, it's due to some old problem in the foot ankle, knee, or hip. And that the body responds, it's just like if you step on a tack and you pull your leg off of that tack, you'll create this pattern. Right. So if you have a chronic irritant to something in your leg, mm -hmm. then your body is going to slowly adopt this pattern right. to get off of it. Right. right. It's called a withdrawal reflex. It's a reflex that's hardwired into us when we're born. You can mm -hmm. watch videos of babies doing this on YouTube all the time. So, and again, but, just that so, human desire to move away from pain too, right? Yes, exactly. Kind of safety mechanism. And, and, right. And then you'll notice that, but if you should, let's say you have this problem on your right side. And so you decide to stand on your left side to get off of that. If you put your hands on your hips right now, Melissa, 
and then shift your weight over to your left, you're going to feel that your right side tenses up. I'm going to shift. So my right so, side, like through my waist is tensing up. Right. So as you shift to your left, yeah, because you can't keep that heel down on the right side, your body tends to lift it up. Okay. All right. It engages the right waist muscles and you'll feel this more pronounced when you sit. Right. When you shift your weight to the left side, the right side hikes up. Right. So shifting off of the side of pain often reproduces the pattern that is actually contributing to the pain rather than solving right. it. Right. Okay? Right. The way the body works is if we weight bear on the right side, in fact, you can feel this. If you put your hands on your waist muscles mm-hmm. and just kind of walk in place, you'll find that the leg where the knee is up, the waist is tighter. The leg where the knee is down, the leg, the waist is softer. Yep, waist muscles. Definitely. All right. So it's the same thing as, so when I ask you to shift to your left side, it's like walking and you're going to lift that right knee right. and you'll feel the waist and muscles engage. Okay. Mm-hmm. So shifting away from the pain is causing more contraction in the area that's already painful. Right. Shifting away to the side of pain will relax that area and it's counterintuitive. Totally. Totally. Right? You would never think that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> move but towards the sh- pain, not away yeah. from. <laughs> but if you move to, towards the pain, but you haven't solved the reason that whole pattern is happening in the first place, then you're going to move towards the pain and then collapse into it. Right. Because you haven't solved why that problem is happening. Right. You're off of it because there's a problem. So I'm, I'm wondering with your right side, and you, this may or may not be the truth with you, but- Have you do have an old injury on your right side somewhere that you might have developed some weakness or issue with your right side? If not, then I'm going to guess that it's your thigh muscles that have developed on the right side that are tighter than the left. And And it's probably tied tied to some movement pattern that you. I would say it's probably more tied to my thigh quads because I'm a skier, so that's a lot of quad Uh growth in the winter, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So yes. Um, other than sprained ankles, either what, and I don't know which ankle, probably both. <laughs> I don't it. remember Got now. It. Right. So, um, so when you're skiing, do your turns to the right work the same as when you turn to the left? I don't know. I'd have to get back up on the mountain in the winter. And yeah. So that that'll out. be the next yeah, thing to figure out. Yeah. Cause I'm going to guess that there's a difference in how you're turning to the right and left when you're right. skiing. Right. And once we drill down into that function, we'll start to understand maybe this pattern a little bit more that you have a hidden weakness there that you hadn't realized because you're very good at compensating for it. Right. So anyway, so that's the second pattern. So how do you find out if this pattern is happening with you at home? It's really easy. Just take your shirt off and have someone take a picture of your back. Mm-hmm. Right. And what you'll see is the side that has a side bending problem will usually have a larger crease in the waist than the side that doesn't have it. And this will be true, especially if this has been an older problem, right? That crease will be set. If it happened just yesterday, well, then your body hasn't adapted with a crease yet. Right. But if this has been going on a while, then you'll see a crease on this side, almost no crease or a smaller crease on the other side. Right. Does that make sense? Easy test. Yeah. Makes total sense. And, you know, I agree with the crease. I saw one of your other images with the woman with a line down. The, her upper oh, yeah. vertical line she thought she was completely relaxed and yet that oh, line man. showed how tense she was and, oh, you know, yeah. pulling her shoulders together I guess but when yes. we do this day in and day out 24 7 year after year after year it becomes the habit the unconscious habit and we just keep moving that way which continues to acerbate the problem right exacerbate right. the problem unless we 
find someone like you to do something about it and get to the root cause, right? It is surprisingly easy to figure this out and solve these things. Uh, I tell people all, in fact, when someone walks into my clinic with like 20 or 30 years of chronic pain, I, I'm almost salivating because it's the people who have been in pain a long time that are almost respond the quickest because I know no other practitioner has looked at them in the way that I'm about to look at them and that they all respond very quickly. And to see that amazement and shock on their face, that even in our first evaluation, that they're going to feel better, they're going to be like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, and that's often what I hear from people is, uh, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm doing anything but I'm not painful anymore. And that's because those habits that we have been working on are now unconscious habits, good habits instead of bad habits. Yeah. And I'm sure you love the response from them when after all these years of searching for the problem, you can help them at least, you know, it may not be getting rid of a hundred percent of the pain, but you're probably in the first session reducing it by at least 30%. And they're already feeling better in that first session that that's really powerful. I mean, my, my standard is third. Thank you. My, my standard is 30 to 50% after our first visit, and because I understand how quickly the body can heal. Yeah. You know, we've got these internal healing mechanisms. You cut your finger, it heals. You break a bone, it heals. So uh, all I'm doing is getting the obstacles out of the way so right. that those internal mechanisms can go to work for you instead of against you. If you're enjoying my content and someone that wants to step into being proactive in your health and learning more, I would love to invite you to join my membership community. There's a link in the show notes for only $19.99 a month. You get access to all of my content and there's a lot as well as weekly calls that you can come and get your health questions answered. It's truly priceless. I'd love to see you join the community. Check out the link in the show notes. I love it. I love it. You know, thank you for there's not enough of you, but <laughs> we'll come to it because I know you were telling me earlier about some of the um, tools that you have on your website because, yeah. you know, you can't clone yourself, but you can help people. So we'll come to that shortly. But before we get to that, I was talking about migraines before. A lot of people suffer with headaches and neck pain. Um, can you talk to that and give people some tips as to what they can be doing to perhaps resolve that? Were those? Yes. Oh, I love that you asked this question. So this is the biggest surprise of systemic thinking in the body, because almost everyone listening who's had neck pain and migraines or any other types of headaches, uh, all of their practitioners have been looking at the neck and the head in terms of the solution. And that's why they're having chronic pain is because the answers aren't found in the neck or head. You found your answers in a hormone right. balance, imbalance, okay. right? But if, if we look at your body from a musculoskeletal system standpoint, if we uh, look at our shoulder blade, you can see that that architecture of that shoulder blade is very unique. And there's only mm -hmm. one other bone in the body that has that kind of architecture. That's our pelvic bone, right. right? The pelvis is the center of function for our lower body system. The shoulder blade is the center of function for our upper body system. And there for are rules the about Can you just describe that bone? Because some people are listening yeah. and watching. So just describe oh, what's sure. unique about those yeah. bones. So the pelvic bone is a broad, flat bone with a socket in it, right? Mm -hmm. All the rest of our bones are long bones. Right. And the shoulder blade is also a broad, flat bone in a triangular shape with a socket in it. Every other bone is a long bone that attaches to it. All right. And there are rules about how this, this flat bone should be resting and moving. I won't go into all those rules, 
But the reason those rules are important to understand is that because when you break those rules, there are muscles that connect from the shoulder blade directly into the cervical spine and the base of the skull. So when uh, by fixing this origin of those connections, it unloads the whole system into the neck and the base of the skull. And this is so common that uh, I can't remember the last time I treated neck pain and headaches and it wasn't the shoulder as the source of the problem. And I believe this is why we have chronic neck pain and headaches is because, and I'll bet you all of your people who are listening, no one has looked at their shoulder in terms of it's as the cause of the neck pain and the headaches. Once they do, you will solve this problem. I love that. And no, like in all of my work, et cetera, you know, no one ever suggested looking at the shoulder blade. Um, but it makes me wonder just because in our modern world too, we're so often looking down at down at devices, right? So that's putting a lot of pressure on the neck. The head is heavy and, and weight is that then pull, I guess that's then pulling on the shoulder bone. So maybe one shoulder's pulled higher than the other. Is that where the issue lies or has it got nothing to do with devices and looking down and it's triggered by something else? Yeah. So that's maybe the third or fourth thing I look at. Okay. If the, if the shoulder blade hasn't solved the problem, right. then we look at how you're bending your head and neck. Right. But almost all the time, uh, if the shoulder blades are not stressing the system, you can bend the neck any way you want to, right? Because we've unloaded the whole system from the beginning. And now it's not at, on edge all the time, that painful edge of just hurting, right? It's not on that edge. So if you do anything remotely wrong with the head, then it's going to hurt. Well, that's because it's already charged up right. from the poor scapular dysfunction. Right. Does, does that answer your question? Yes, it totally does. And it aligns again with what I talk to in my work that, We've got overflowing trash cans, right? And our health can be okay, okay, okay as the trash can's filling up. But then as soon as it's overflowing, things start to go wrong, right? And yeah, so there's yeah. always kind of that straw that, you know, break, or what is it? Needle that breaks the haystack or whatever. Yeah, straw um, that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yes. So my question, though, that I just want to understand there, just for my own knowledge, is what is triggering the shoulder blades to become the problem is that different yeah. for everyone or is that a very common way we move in our world today or don't move okay so this is a great question so what what is going on here well if, if you um if you understand the anatomy you'll understand that the things that pull the shoulder girdles down mm -hmm. those are huge muscles latissimus okay. dorsi the the chest muscles in the front uh, serratus uh, muscles, all right? So all sorts of muscles, the trapezius muscles, the lower fibers, all right? These are massive muscles and they're all designed to pull the shoulder blades down. And so uh, that's one thing is that these muscles tend to become tight for various reasons. And so they're dragging everything down and then setting up this little teeny tiny muscle, the levator scapular, which I describe as a little pinky muscle that attaches from the shoulder blade into the cervical bones. It, it, that's called levator. It's supposed to elevate. So you've got gravity and all these things pulling it down, plus the weight of the arm, which is about 15 to 20 pounds, pulling everything down. you got this little teeny tiny levator scapula trying to pull it up. Pull and that's up. why when you have pain, it's just like, oh, it's right here. So that, right. that's one of the reasons. Okay. Right. The other one mm -hmm. goes to, we, you mentioned that you went to yoga a lot. Mm -hmm. One of the cues in yoga 
is that, uh, and this may or may not have happened with your instructor, is that you're supposed to bring your shoulder blades down and back into the opposite back pockets. All right. That's a common cue in yoga and Pilates. And now it's happening in personal training too. But I don't believe that that is an original yoga cue. That has infiltrated yoga and Pilates and personal training because of dance. That is, dancers try to create a long, graceful looking neck. It's the aesthetic of beauty in our culture that people have long, pretty necks, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you create a longer neck? You pull the shoulder blades down, right? Right. So all of that cueing to bring this down and back in the opposite back pocket is actually going the opposite of how the shoulder blade is designed to function in the neck system. So that's, that's one of the reasons is that, like you said, you know, your yoga instructor is trying to get you to unlock your knees, but you never thought to translate that to right. after yoga. Right. Well, the opposite often happens is that, oh, they told me to do this in yoga. So I'm going to do it when I'm not in yoga too. Right. And so, because I feel like I'm taller and more erect with my well, shoulders. And I feel like I, sh- I feel like, I guess I've been programmed to believe that my shoulders should be back and down based on that programming. But also, again, to counter that habitual um, situation of being at your computer with your arms forward, right? And so, as we talked about before, we do something long enough, it becomes the unconscious habit and we just get into that stance. Yes. So that's why, because I, I mean, I'm in a standing desk now, so that definitely helps it. And when I'm sitting, I'm on a ball rather than in a chair, but many people are very curved in their upper back and shoulders because of desk work. So let's fix your ergonomics then. Right. Right. Instead of creating the wrong way to fix the problem, let's fix the problem at its source, which is your ergonomics. Right. So what should be happening when we're sitting at our desk? And this is a great point because this is what leads to a lot of neck pain and headaches. All right. So uh, your arm, the arms of your chair should be, close into your body. Most chairs are too big for people. Yes. And their arms are, I'm going to back up a little bit. Their arms are resting out here somewhere to get to that arm of the chair. And so they have to lean down a little bit. Yeah. And the arms of the chairs often then don't rise up high enough to allow them to reach out without depressing the shoulder. Right. Okay. So yeah, now the shoulder's low. And now again, we're stretching in one side of the waist. We're compressing the other side of the waist. So what I ask people to do is, this is really simple, folks. You can try this at home. Just get a pillow from your bed, fold it in half, and stuff it between you and the arm of your chair. And that will now be the arm of your chair instead of the arm of your chair. Okay? Right. Yeah. And, and you'll notice that when you do that, that your arm is resting slightly higher, maybe a half inch, maybe a quarter inch, maybe even an inch, than it usually would if you were using the arm of your chair. Right. What that's doing then is unloading this whole levator scapula. Because now that the chair is holding up the shoulder system, that little tiny muscle that inserts into those C1 through 4 isn't being irritated anymore. You've got something else doing the work for it. Right. Right. Then the other thing is, where should my computer be? Well, if you're resting with your arm, your arm should be resting where the seam of your shirt is. Mm -hmm. So it should be resting here. So my my, uh, keyboard, can you see my hand? I can, yes. Okay, so my keyboard should be right where my hand is when my arm is at the seam of my shirt. Right. So if you're not, if that's not happening, if even if you have it at the right height, if you have to reach forward, you've just lost all the support of your arm in your armchair. 
or the pillow that we just put in there. Right. So now you've lost everything. So you've got to bring your keyboard closer to you. And if you can't see the screen, scoot the screen closer to you too. Right. All right. So mm -hmm. if you do this on both sides of your chair, this will likely, it will, in fact, I had a woman cry. She was so happy that she could sit at her desk chair without pain. And all I did was I showed her this pillow position. She literally started crying because she knew already it hit it. It eliminated her pain at work. And these are the principles. This is why it's eliminating pain is because of this phenomena of depressed shoulder blades. Right. And that our workstation is contributing to it. Then once you do that, you don't have to pull your shoulder blades down and back to counter right. <laughs> all that slouching. Posture. Because you're not slouching anymore. I love right. it. Right. So again, and I, I, I just want to go one more point about ergonomics. I saw the man's 20 years of neck pain just by having him move, move his mouse. All right. I moved so his, I'm moving his, his mouse. His mouse. His mouse was out in front of him like this. So he was reaching for his mouse all day long and he had neck pain. I did everything I could to solve his neck pain and I couldn't do it. I said, wait a second. Do you use your mouse? <laughs> he said, yeah, I have for 20 years. I said, where is that thing? He says, oh, I have it out here. I said, no, you got to move that in here. So I had to move his keyboard over to the left a little bit put his mouse central, more central, because he used it a lot. And I said, now do that. Two days, pain all gone. Amazing. I love it. So I'm yeah. on a MacBook Air and the mouse is central on the, you yes. know, right below the keypad rather than, so yes. I haven't used the mouse off to the right for probably 10 years now, but I totally know what yeah. you mean. And I know there's a lot of people still using mouse mice. Yes. So yes. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Great tips. Thank you so, so much for sharing. Easy, easy so, stuff like this. Melissa. I still have easy. one more question for you though. Sure. Yeah. I sit, I sit on a ball when I sit. Yes. Most of the day I stand, but I sit on a ball oh. when I sit. So mm -hmm. I don't have an armrest when I'm sitting on my ball. Right. So what do you say for that? Well, you don't have neck pain or headaches anymore though, do you? I don't know. All right. No. So I'm not going to be so concerned about that. Okay. Because your system seems to be working okay without mm -hmm. those, that extra help. Right. Okay. But if you had neck pain or headaches, it would be probably the first thing I would change about what you're Just doing. Have me not sit on the ball and have me sit on a chair. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Uh, okay. and, and it makes me wonder about that right-sided back pain that you have too. I would be interested in how tall the ball is and what position your feet are in when you're sitting on that ball and whether you're weight bearing on one leg more than the other uh, while doing that. So and my, my all those kinds pain, of things. Yeah. My back pain is far better when I use a ball versus a chair. And my back pain uh -huh. is really a non-issue now compared to what it was before. Like before I couldn't even stand to do dishes and things like that. Whereas now I barely even notice it. So, if yeah, so it's not an ongoing, it's definitely not chronic pain. And I don't even necessarily yeah. have it every single day, but every once in a while I might wake up in the morning and that side might be a little stiff or something like that. Or right. yeah, but it's a, it's a non-issue compared to what it was before for sure. Can I drill down into that? What you just said, just a second, sure. a second. My back pain feels a lot better when I'm on the ball than sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. All right. So what you're telling me is there's something about how you're sitting in that chair that's different than how you're sitting on the ball. And so for those of you listening, the things that are causing you pain are the secrets to fixing your pain. Right. There's some habit that you have about how you're sitting in that chair or how that chair is set up, the height of it, the depth of it, whatever it is. I don't know. But whatever that is, that's hurting you. And so if you really took the time to say, hey, I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes and I'm going to compare my body sitting on the ball versus that chair. What is the difference here? 
And then what would be interesting is, what if I changed my chair to mimic what I do on the ball? Would that take care of my pain? And if it does, that helps you drill down even more into the mystery of that right-sided back pain. I'm willing to bet I slouch when I'm in the chair that the ball doesn't allow me to do. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but that's, that's cur- when I'm slouching, I'm curving my back a different way, but yeah. 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 But I also like um, sitting on my ball just because there's a little bit more movement. I do tend to wiggle around a little bit more on yeah. it. Um, uh-huh. and a little bit more core use than just sitting in a chair and doing nothing, which is very yeah. easy to do when you just sit in a chair. Right. Yeah. So, so the other thing about sitting in a chair is it's easier to have an unconscious migration to one butt cheek than the other. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you can't do that on a ball because the feedback you'll get is, whoa, I'm about to tip over here. Right. Right. That doesn't right. happen on the, in a chair. Mm-hmm. So there, that, that could be another thing to pay attention Possibly. to. Possibly. Yeah, definitely. Who knows? Definitely. If you're interested, you can and, explore that. And it's something I did before too in the chair. And this is to that point is I would cross my legs. Right. So that then does right. the migration to the one side. Yes. On my ball, I don't cross my leg. Is is it the right leg going over the left leg? Yes. Okay. So the right hip is more flexed. Yes. So that muscle is becoming tighter and your weight bearing on the left side. So that's hiking up the right side. Right. So that could be it. Amazing. I love it. I love how you well, do so that's that's literally how, how it works. Right. <laughs> so if you and just so- learn basic principles, you can figure this stuff out. Well, I love all of this, just guiding me through that. Uh, For those of you that listened to this podcast, I do invite you to go back and watch it on YouTube. And I will admit that my podcasts don't get loaded to YouTube as quickly as they do to audio, but give it a few weeks and it'll be up on YouTube. Go back and watch so that you can see, you know, Rick's explanations in more detail because they're super helpful. But this also shows you how he can help you virtually you don't have to be in the same town as Rick and go and see him in person. He can absolutely help you virtually just as he's done right now. So uh, Rick, I want to ask you the question I ask all of my podcast guests. What does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? Uh, You know, uh, I heard this. There's a podcast I like listening to called how I built this. And they interviewed this woman CEO and they said, you know, is your success due to luck or is it, you know, brains? And she said, I believe that the harder I work, the luckier I get. So my feeling is uh, the wake up call is really the harder you're working on things, you know, the faster you get those wake up calls. If you don't give up, then, you know, you don't need to have a wake up call because you're there. I love it. So, yes, again, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Yeah. (laughs) And we, and we don't need to have the wake up call because we're doing the work and we're yes. feeling awesome. And that's what yes. you like to do to help people. That's what I love to do to help people. So that's awesome. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and, you know, work with you virtually, but I know you're also very generous and you have a lot of resources on your website. So if you can explain all of that and share your free gift that you're generously offering the audience. Sure. I, I believe that everyone should be able to solve their pain. And I've created downloadable home programs to help them do that. And I've given you all the keys, similar to what you and I have gone into, you know, habits, tighter, weak muscles, behaviors, things like that. So those can all be found on www.fixingumethod.com. 
and I have five programs I've created from head to toe to solve pain. If you type in fixing you, all one word, you can get a 20% discount on those. I've also created a, an online training program to teach other practitioners uh, how to solve pain like this. And that's at healpatientsfaster.com. Again, type in the fixing you code and you can get 20% off. And I believe, Melissa, that anyone, not just physical therapists, should know this information. Because all of us who care about helping people with pain should, you know, I feel, understand this. And if we all understood this, we could get rid of chronic pain. I really believe so. And then I have a free ebook that you can find on my personal website, which is rickolderman.com. You can find my free ebook there. I have a free plus shipping offer there that you can uh, download my somatics audio lessons, which are designed to reduce tension. I have patient stories from my upcoming book uh, there, and, and you can read it or listen to the audio. Uh, my blog is there. So that's the central hub of where everything is. So that's how it all works. I love it. Awesome. And just to clarify on the code for the 20% off, fixing you, it's all one word? Yes. Is it lowercase caps? Does it matter? It uh, doesn't matter. Okay. But all one but word. But if it, if it does matter, then try all caps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> try both. You, I, you know, I've only tried it with all caps, but I was told that it worked with lowercase too. So <laughs> uh, try all caps. All people can test it. But yes, so yeah. amazing resources that you're offering to people. And, you know, I agree when we understand this, we can get rid of chronic pain. And it's just like in my work, I want to get rid of chronic illness. Right. And so having resources and experts like you and offering this in such a way that people can do this on their own is really powerful. So thank you so much for the work that you do. It's awesome. And you, know, you as well. Thank definitely you. will be directing people to your resources and referring to you because I know people that can benefit from your expertise for sure. So as we just wrap up here, what's one last message you'd like to leave the audience with to inspire them to get started today? Well, uh, many people who are listening have uh, failed with other practitioners, and many people tend to think that they're broken. And my message to you would be that you're not broken. You just haven't had the right information yet. I love it. Beautiful message. Thank you so much for joining me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I think this will be a really powerful episode that will help many, many people. So thank you for joining me today. And thank you to my audience for tuning in week in and week out. I love bringing these experts to you, sharing this information with you so that you can be empowered in your health journey. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.